0: getting ready for our big lists. So, what we're what we're talking about now is Paul's ending this conversation he had about the, the the race, the marathon that these Galatian Christians were in. And so he asked the question, you know, who 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 jumped in front of you? Who 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 impeded your your forward progress? Who who stopped you? And ultimately, why did you allow this person to stop you? would have been real easy for you just to take one step to the left or the right and walk around that person. But instead you chose to stand there and listen to this gibberish from this person and become uh, bewitched by it and start to believe it. To the point that now you have substituted the truth for a lie. Romans 1. And, and, and start in that process. Once you replace one thing... In what is essential then you're going to replace another and another and another and pretty soon there is no shred of the truth in what you believe that's why Paul is is so upset with them so he has beat them over the head with you are free in Christ you are not bound by the law so verse 15 he's saying if you misuse your freedom and you misuse freedom by putting yourself back in prison right if you misuse your freedom Paul says, God will destroy you. Well, that doesn't sound good now, does it? Say, anybody here want that? Destruction by God. <clears throat> so he's always offering the alternative. You're free in Christ. You can choose this, but if you choose this, this is the consequence. You will be destroyed. Now, remember that the point has already been made twice, that the person who cuts in, to use Paul's term, and leads others astray is going to receive a penalty that person definitely is going to be destroyed but now Paul is saying that if we voluntarily go astray if we voluntarily allow someone else to lead us astray a false teacher or false false prophet if we use our freedom to act in in ways that are against the will of God we are just as guilty of sin as the person who cuts in so in final judgment, you can't stand before God and say, well, that person cut, cut in front of me. Well, God's going to tell you just what I just said. Well, why didn't you take a step left or right? You have freedom to do that. Why didn't you? So this is all about personal choice. Uh, chapter 6, he's going he's to really challenge us with, with our personal responsibility. So he's kind of lead, leading into that now. Now, verse 16 is a absolutely key verse in in all of Scripture because it makes it abundantly clear that we no longer need to follow the law because the law was predominantly negatively worded. It had a lot of thou shalt nots, didn't it? So that's talk with a two, three, four year old. right? Say that a lot to Sammy, right? Stop that! Don't do that. It's dangerous. Sticking your finger in a light socket—that's not good. Sammy, stop doing that. And you tell her today. You tell her tomorrow. You tell her the next day. Stop doing those things. Now, as adults, we are free in the spirit, and we now are mature enough to understand. If I touch a hot stove, I'm going to get burned. Or at least, if you do it once, you won't do it again. You learn from your experience. So we don't need rules to tell us stop doing that because that makes us feel like children. God has said that we are now mature. We are grown up and therefore God is going to treat us that way. Whether we want to be treated or not is really not the issue. God knows what he's doing and this is the best thing for us and he says you are now mature and in a sense, yes, it's a little more difficult for us. We have to put some thought into our actions. Oh, I hate that. Rather than working like robots, And just remembering a bunch of rote rules and regulations. We have to now think and process. So here Paul is saying, by choosing to live in the freedom of the spirit, you don't even need to be concerned with those negative laws anymore. We've we've talked about that. So if we are about... yeah, He's narrowed all this down to faith. It's all about faith, 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 faith. Faith in God, which means then we will follow God. In, specifically, we'll follow the Spirit. So if we're if we're about that process, we don't need to be concerned with killing our neighbor. I mean, ten times, a hundred times a day, do you have to remind yourself, "Don't kill anybody, don't kill anybody"? Don't you know, <laughs> is that is is that the mantra you have to go through on a day to day basis? Please, nobody say yes, <laughs> yeah, because we got a whole bunch of other issues here. You know, voices in my head, right? It's, no, it's... You see, but that's the point. You don't need that law anymore, do you? You don't need to you know, continue to remind yourself, don't kill anybody. Because now we are focused on loving our neighbor, and killing our neighbor is the opposite of love. So we're going to choose one or the other, but we're siding with love, therefore killing them is just not an issue. And coveting your neighbor's manservant or maidservant, that's really not... Not high on our list anymore either. Right? How many times have you have to tell yourself that? Don't cover my main servant Don't cover that neighbor's neighbor's maid servant. You yep. know, we see we don't do that. See how good we are? We actually are mature. Right? So what Paul is saying? is Start acting that way. Right? Don't don't insist on all these rules because that's what a child does. Stop it. Verse eighteen. Really clear. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's 347 times he's said that so far in five chapters. right? He has beat that to death, but he keeps coming back to it because that is such a main point. So I say live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. If you choose to live by the Spirit, you don't have to worry about all those negative rules. But just to make sure there's a clear understanding, Paul, being Paul, wants to make it abundantly clear. Here's a list of bad things you should not be doing. (laughs) Oh, the list is just awesome. Now, they seem somewhat jumbled up, but there's in fact three main categories of sin contained. They're not necessarily in, in order doesn't do a couple here and then the next category. They're kind of jumbled, jumbled through there. But the first category is sexual sin. And that list is, there's five in that list. There's sexual immorality, which is the first one listed. Impurity. Impurity is the opposite of pure, right? Just want to make sure. My favorite word, debauchery. The, the the dictionary definition of debauchery is everything in the world that is bad. <laughs> right? Really, it's just it's a hodgepodge of everything. So anything bad, that's that's debauchery. I don't think there's other tenses of that word. It's not I debauch, you debauch. <laughs> we we debauched. Um, I wish there was. It's kind of a fun word when you think about it, but it is debauchery. Not 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 debauchery. That's that's what a butcher does it's a debauchery and then drunkenness and orgies that's the list of sexual sins now the biggest list is what I would term a la last week's sermon causing drama by far the biggest list which has in it hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. That paints an interesting image, doesn't it? I'm not just angry. I'm, I'm taking a fit over this. I mean, I'm foaming at the mouth. You know, I'm just, my head is spinning around. And I mean, just, it's a fit of rage. Next, selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions and envy. That's the drama list. And there's two more to go. And I would classify these as sins that I just want to do (laughs) for no other reason, (laughs) which include idolatry and witchcraft. Right? So again, you know, witchcraft often, you know, dabbling in the occult, in the the Ouija boards and palm reading and tarot cards and all that jazz, you know, that is that almost always makes the bad list. You know, you get into Revelation, it's in the bad list. Guess what? These are people who do this on earth, or you're not going to see them in heaven. Oh, never saw it coming, right? So it's always been that. Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. It's always, always been in. Do you have a thought? This is just uh, a sidebar. I saw, I heard on oh, on a TV program, Christian TV program, that the Iowa State Representative the House of, uh, had a Wiccan witch giving devotions in front of them the other day. And the Christians in the group, you know, turned their backs on us. I think some of them lost. They made, made a statement, though, which is good. But, yeah, in our politically correct society, everybody gets a chance now. You, you're not going to get a trophy for everything, but you get a chance to do anything you want. Yes. Loads of fun. Now, in that list, there are 15 bad things you shouldn't do. It's a huge list. But, as you recall from previous conversations we've had, Paul always puts lists in either a good list is, is a good holy number, a, either 3, three uh, 7, 10, 12, you know, those are all holy numbers, or multiples of those numbers. The list is always that. There's one bad number, six. And so, a multi, yeah, so Paul always puts bad things in a list of six. He wouldn't do 12 because 12 is a holy number. So it's either six or 18. But this is 15. I checked the math, Justin. It doesn't add up. <laughs> I tried every way I could. But hearken to the last verse of this chapter. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited, (laughs) provoking, or envying one another. There's your other three. Now, envy was in the first list. And again, in good Paul form, the really bad or the really good, you would either double or triple. Rejoice. Period. Again, I say rejoice. We got it the first time. No, let me do it again just to make sure you get it, right? So, doubling means that's really bad. So, he's apparently saying envy is the worst one in the list. So, we're going to add to the causing drama, conceit, provoking, and now double envy. So, that list of causing drama is 11 of those of the 18. There's five in the, in the sex side and two on the just the stuff I want to do side. So more than double problems that we experience are in the causing drama side. That's huge. You would think you know, the list would involve murder and you know, really bad things, right? Robbing banks, um, you know, punching somebody in the nose, um, you know, stuff like that. No, these are almost all attitudes. Not so much behaviors, but attitudes. And what he's saying is that's what destroys relationship and in particular destroys churches. So he's, he's, he's going on this angle now because obviously in these Galatian churches, there was an awful lot of strife and discord, let's say. A lot of fighting inside because there were some of these Christians who refused to go along with these Judaizers those who you know, show up and try to convince these Christians to to, to begin adopting some of the, the Jewish rules and practices including circumcision and have a circumcision party, Aaron. <laughs> right? So, so you have some people still holding on to the truth. A whole bunch of other people are falling by the wayside and so opposites in one church. You're not unified Therefore, you have all kinds of dissensions, all kinds of problems, all kinds of... Uh, he refers to it there in uh, uh, but, uh, verse 15. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, right? See? That's what he's talking about. That obviously caused a great deal of conflict in the church, and neither side was willing to give up their, their position. So big, big, big problems. So we've got a, a list of 18 bad things. That can and often do go wrong in a church. And once you start with one, you get twos real easy, three's even easier. Pretty soon, we're just let's bring bring all of them in. That we're just backbiting each other and just just sniping it constantly at, at one another. Do you see how dangerous the causing drama side is? For a family when I mean, your family at Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner or whenever you get a large group of your family together if your family was based on on hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissension factions envy times two, conceit, and provoking uh, if you only had two of those that would not be a very pleasant meal would it it'd be kind of miserable you're just waiting for for it to happen right just, yeah. Uncle Mike, he always does that. And just waiting. And pretty soon something happens. And there he goes. He's off. Another fit of rage from Uncle Mike. And, you know, the nutball. And then everybody says, why do we invite him? Right? So, but take that now on an even bigger scale and put it into BUMC. That if we had this going on, seething under the surface, can you see what kind of problems we would have? there would be no joy in Mudville. Here's your baseball reference, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Hath struck, strucketh outeth. Okay. Yes. It's destructive because that list of causing drama is the exact opposite of what we learn repeatedly in Scripture. And Paul has already stated that the goal of the Spirit is to unify us, <laughs> right? Right? That list is divisive. It splits us up. It makes factions out of us. We're all going in a different direction. We are not unified. It's the opposite of unity. It's the opposite of our oneness in Christ. More than half of the list lead to disunity and discord, which is the exact opposite of what the Spirit is trying to do with us. So in our striving for truth, these sins are so destructive because they pit one person against another. But the goal of that fight, that argument, that debate is not to discover what the truth is. That's not the argument. The argument is to determine who is right. Not what is right, who is right. And when you approach an argument from that standpoint, there's always a winner and always a loser. And to win that battle means that the other person must relent and admit that the other person is right. Now, how often does that happen (laughs) in interpersonal relationships? I'm sorry, you're, you're right, and I was wrong. Doesn't happen in your world either, does it? Yeah. So you can see now in a family, in the church, wherever... If that is what you're experiencing, no one's going to give up their position and actually dig your heels even more and more. Can you imagine what church would be like? Could you imagine what this group would be like? Where we don't see eye to eye we don't agree on much of anything and you know you know gary's always pushing for you know preacher you're going to hell because you ain't circumcised boy yeah, and you know we get into those those kind of oh, yeah all those here. those arguments and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> Keisha, you're you're not going to heaven because you are wearing pants. And Jesus hates that. And you know, whoever's got the wrong translation of the Bible, you ain't going to heaven either, and just you know, we're just picking and choosing and going through argument after argument and just you know, we're separating and 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 removing people from the unity. We're you know just pushing them off until you believe like I do, you can't be here, is what basically the message is. To pretty soon you are the only one left. <laughs> you're judging people. Yes. Well, what I was going to say, you're judging people on things that God is even going to judge them That's on. precisely right. And that's the danger Paul has been pointing out. When you start making those rules, that's exactly what you're doing. You're you're making important what God himself says is not important. Mm-hmm. and But the problem is that substitutes for what is important. Yeah. And it makes me feel like, oh my gosh, I am going to hell. Exactly. And, and you're not. Yeah. I, I've had that conversation with... Dozens and dozens and dozens of people over the years that you know come into my office and and, and say you know is is this true? If I do this, am I going to hell? Mm-hmm. And so I, it's one of the greatest conversations I have because I get to say no. <laughs> you know, it's just that's pure and utter silliness. But it's it's amazing what you know as soon as you start becoming Jewish, becoming to that point of making rules. The most important thing, how fast that process accelerates. So in really a relatively short time, these churches in Galatia started to live, you know, the hatred, the discord, the jealousy, the fits of raids, and all just all the rest. They're yeah. judging. Yes. I and mean, Jesus says, Don't do that. Right? So could could you imagine worship? That somebody's mad at me in the middle of worship, just stands up in a fit of rage. Yeah, I just start yelling and screaming and uh. Wow. Wait till Sunday. Yeah, yeah, they always wait till Sunday, yeah, <laughs> yes. We can we can't do this any other day of the week. Cuz this is the only hour the preacher's working, so I got I got to get him when he's fresh. He's <laughs> <laughs> never in that office. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's never in his office. <laughs> um. <laughs> but you you understand what I'm saying now? I mean I, I mean this is really important. So Again, he's going to talk about our personal responsibility. Come chapter six, but I'll let you in on it now. What he's really saying is if you allow you allow somebody to cut in on you in the race of faith and lead you into fits of anger, somehow convince you, well, it's okay to yell and scream and you know just look like a total blithering idiot. Go go ahead, it's okay. And you say, okay, somebody told me it's okay, I'll, I'll be glad to do it. Because I'm a wild man anyway, right? So, uh, and you give yourself permission to do that. He's saying, well, that's your responsibility. You made that choice and you will be destroyed. So we have to, we can't fix everybody else till we fix ourselves, right? Because the old adage, if I point a finger at you, accusing you, I still got three pointing back at me, right? So that's why Jesus says, take... Take the log out of your own eye before you try and take the speck out of your neighbor's eye, right? So get your own house in order and make sure you are not guilty of any of that nonsense. You got a list of eighteen there. So envy must be really important. Envy is, you know, kind of the root of many sins. That's why envy is one of the mortal sins. Classically, throughout history, there's only a couple. Seven? Eight? Seven deadly sins. Seven deadly sins. There's only seven, and envy is one of them. Now, how bad can envy be? Apparently, really bad. I mean, for Paul to list it twice? Bad. Well, it's such a waste of time. (laughs) Yeah, but, and, and energy because now you know when, when you're envious of what somebody else has then you're expending energy to get that yeah. but you see that leads you into well I can't get it on my own therefore I have to kill you to get it I have to steal from you to get it see how it leads you into many other super sins. that's why it's, it, it makes the, the, the top seven because it's, it's just it's, it, it, it's a, a a very fertile soil for many other bad things to happen it's going to lead you down a path to a whole bunch, a whole host of other things. So nip it in the bud now. So definitely, absolutely positively, if somebody, like your pastor, comes up to you quietly, we're going to learn the goal of gentleness here, and puts his arm around you and, and says, wait, you're, you look like you're envying. You, you really need to stop that. You know absolutely you should not go into a fit of rage. <laughs> if you're already envious, see, it's going to lead you into a fit of rage when somebody tells you something. But see how it goes? Right? So that should be when you hear the Holy Spirit say to you, take a deep breath. He's speaking the word of truth to you. You need to ask for forgiveness for that. Wouldn't that be awesome? It does happen. I, I have had things like that happen. Not always. <laughs> right? but you've got to do it anyway so yes we need to help each other in this process so when we see any of these behaviors in any of us we need to gently try to get that person back on the straight and narrow he's going to tell us more about that in chapter 6 on the the way to do that the, the, the proper way to do it Paul is saying that if you choose any or all of these attitudes and behaviors, you are doing so with the full knowledge of the consequence of that decision. You are not doing it out of ignorance. You know that the consequence of fits of rage and envy and all the rest of that is that you will not inherit heaven. You know that up front. So still making that choice to do so is a direct affront to God. And God says, well, that's your choice, but I'm still in charge and I will destroy you. That's what he's saying. Because what you're doing is choosing defiance and you're choosing disobedience against the direct will of God. And everyone knows what that is. So even people that don't go to church are still held accountable to this because they too have the Holy Spirit who has been telling them, stop the fits of rage. You look like a knucklehead. Besides that, you're getting a lot of spit all over my turkey. (laughs) Your final standing with God. We're talking about judgment. Your final standing with God is determined by whether or not you live in the flesh or you live in the spirit. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. If you choose to live that way, then you know what the consequence is that you don't get to go to heaven. Instead, the smart person will choose a life of the spirit. Which now leads us into the good list. The fruit. Singular. Revelation is singular. Fruit is singular. Interestingly, your pastor will be preaching a nine-week series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit starting this summer. We'll take one a week because they're all big and wonderful. So there are nine of them. You see the holy number? So God is represented in the number three, the Trinity. So what you're saying is God, who is already perfect, multiplied times a perfect God is a super perfect God, right? So in other words, to, to be like God himself, and we are created in his image and can choose to live like God. To be like God, these are nine aspects of The outcome of our relationship with Christ, who who now grants to us the Holy Spirit and leads us. This is what Christians look like. Right? Those who live by the flesh, a lot of debauchery. Right? Those of us in the Spirit, this is what we look like. Do you see how opposing they are? Fits of rage versus gentleness. Right? So they're they're really opposite. But interestingly, there's 18 in the bad, only 9 in the good. So there's twice as many bad that can be easily canceled out by half as many. I love that part. Now, play on words here. Paul does something really interesting. In the first list, the bad list, he used the word acts. These are acts of the sinful nature. But now in the listing of what what the Spirit produces within us, these are not acts, but rather fruit. Singular. There are many bad acts, but only one good fruit that has many dimensions to it. So in this list, it is not fruits of the Holy Spirit. As if we get to pick and choose which one we want. But all nine of these work together to produce one fruit. A genuine Christian life. So this is not a smorgasbord that you get to go down through the line and pick a few that you like. Oh, love, I guess I'll pick love and joy. That's pretty good. You know, Self-control, I'm going to pass on that. Uh, yeah, gentleness I think I'll have for dessert you know but yeah you know, it, it's not that not that way you don't get to pick and choose these so basically this is saying if you are Dave's here do, do, do we have a little bit of chili left over for him yeah. and, 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 and a few crackers you might want to warm that up everybody so the genuine Christian life is going to look like all nine of these aspects not just a couple so again now you can't say I'm living the life of freedom in the spirit and I'm doing love and joy and peace but by the same token I would sure like to occasionally have a fit, fit of rage and a little debauchery <laughs> <laughs> see what I'm saying <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying that because many Christians do precisely that like it is a smart girl. we get to pick and choose what we want from both lists really right now again it's a singular fruit now like paul has already been saying you can't take the the true christian faith based on faith and then start adding laws onto it you can't take a couple of these nine fruit of the spirit and supplement it with some more debauchery and sexual sins and, and witchcraft and you know the occasional ouija board and all that kind of stuff right that doesn't make sense. That doesn't even ring true in your head, does it? Please say yes. Uh, yeah, right. Because it just sounds silly when you word it that, but that's exactly what he's saying. These are diametrically opposed lists. They're not, you know, shades of gray here. This is truly black and white. All in general, all out. Yes, exactly. And that's what Paul has pretty much been saying the whole time. You're all in. You're all out. You are either all into the truth of the gospel. Or you're in 100% in for the law. The Jewish law. Pick one. But there's consequences with each. And you'll know what, what those are. But the fruit of the Spirit is. <coughs> notice even the verb there is singular. Yeah. We start with love. Anyone want to venture a guess why we start with Love not a trick question thank you it's the most important <laughs> why why oh why the pastor asked is it the most important because everything else will fall into place yeah. if you have love okay why do you know that pardon me Jesus has made that abundantly clear to us right so love is it in fact love God love your neighbor do that, you have nothing else to worry about. You don't have to worry about all the thou shalt nots at all. They are, they are gone. We, we don't need them anymore. We wouldn't need police. Right. Because we'd all be doing the right thing or for each lawyer. other. That's going a little far, but. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have lawyers out of work. You want them back in the general populace? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so pa- Paul writes in one of his other letters that, that love covers over a multitude of sins right that, that, that motivation will erase a multitude of sins just a focus on love so without love is the primary motivation for all the Christian does in fact Gary all or nothing we are nothing right So, we can't say that, you know, I'm going to do the other eight, but I'm just not going to love. That doesn't sound right either, does it? So, that's the entire Christian faith in in, in a nutshell. But if we do not have love, you know, doesn't Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter? If I have not love, I am nothing. I'm nothing. Love is patient and kind. All those things, right? But, but we still have bad days. Let's talk about. Let's talk about bad. Let's days. talk about bad days. Tell me about your bad day. Oh, I don't want to talk about my bad. days. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I we stuff. have bad days. How, so, how, how, how would you define a bad day? So, well, <laughs> just, stop. just stop and you'll be alright. <laughs> Remember, confession is good for the soul. I really I, love my kids but they don't give me peace and then I lose self-control. So. <laughs> see how yeah. it goes? <laughs> it just yeah. snowball's done. That's what I'm talking about. But I, know I know. still our Christians. You know, because this all or nothing, I hate when he says stuff like that cause, you know, because, you know. You're right. Yeah, she's not loving. All <laughs> oh, right. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're right. Well, it's, it's not even so much a matter that Gary's right. <laughs> Does it matter that the Bible's right? Oh, totally, yes. Okay, so? But I'm just, but, I, but I, I'm just saying, <laughs> we were not made to be perfect, so we do have bad days. So we do screw up. Mm-hmm. So this all or nothing, we can get back into the all. Yes. By, you know, yes. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You mean you're sinful? <laughs> However, always, me,
1: there's, there's, there's always that caveat. <laughs> you
0: okay, say. at because one of the the last fruit is self-control which means that well let me ask this question first as you read verse 22 23 24 25 does it say anything in there about you know you should be all about love joy and peace and patience unless you have a bad day Mm -hmm. is that in there I, I, some modern translations might have it mine doesn't but I, I just thought, thought I would ask So, you know, what that says to me is that again it, it's what God is looking for is the right motivation so we can use the bad day as the excuse for bad behavior the question to be asked then is how does that ring in God's ear is that an acceptable excuse? So, yes. So, my point is, many people, teenage girls, um, <laughs> give themselves that excuse on a daily basis. Right, that, and so, I've only heard two sentences from teenage girls my entire life. I'm tired and I'm bored. <laughs> That's, they, they must, Go to teenage girls' school and and rehearse that mantra. It's, it, sometimes they're tired and bored. Sometimes, it's coming. So, you know, it's just it's it, it's it's hilarious. But it, it makes me wonder. Well, okay, you're tired and bored. Tell me something positive you have. What what, what do you have that's trying to counteract that? Or are you are you allowing tired and bored to cut in on you in your journey of faith? You see, come back to that image again. You know, so we. we the motivation I'm talking about is: Are we allowing that to come in, or did that come in and we just, I guess, essentially are guilty of not exercising our self-control? But but knowing that, then yes, we ask for forgiveness and we're forgiven and we move on. And you know, sorry, God, bad day, and I shouldn't allow myself to do that, and I will not allow myself to do that in the future. Don't but surrender to that emotion. yeah, yeah, surrender. Surrender is a good 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 term at that point. So if if, if we. A lot of people these days are allowing themselves to do things that they really have control over and use an excuse for bad behavior. And more times than not, it's, you know, the other person made me do that. The other person made me have a fit of rage. Made me debauch. I mean, did that person have a gun to your head? I mean, even then, Right? So, I mean, you know, Columbine, you know, I mean, we we hear stories like this all the time of, you know, people literally with a gun to your head, you know, <laughs> renounce your faith in Jesus. Even with a gun to your head, you still have the choice. There may be, you know, not a pleasant conclusion to that choice, but nonetheless sticking to the choice, exercising self-control means that you get to go to heaven. Which was not a bad choice at that point. <laughs> right? So, yeah, so it's another comma. (laughs) I'll I'll pull Paul and just have one continuous sentence here. Jesus does say that we must be perfect. You must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, he says. Now, what he's talking about is not moral perfection, because indeed we would all fall short of that considerably, right? So because we do sin, we we still make mistakes, we still fall short of the glory of God. But what that means is that we're, we're trying. We're holding ourselves to a higher standard. We, we are striving for perfection. Now, you may not know this, so I'll tell you. I could not be a United Methodist pastor until I agreed to the question, are you going onward to perfection? It's one of my ordination questions. unless unless I could robustly answer yes I would not be ordained it's not have you achieved perfection are you moving toward it are you making a conscious willful choice are you making the right decisions to get yourself to that point so perfection according to Jesus and John Wesley all rise um, is becoming fully what God created you to be So God did not create you, Peggy, to be Gary. And Gary, you're not created to be Peggy. You are uniquely created for a specific purpose, task, life, and to achieve that. Uh, John Wesley, as I recall from his writings, knew of two perfect people in his life. Pardon me? No, no, I mean actual human being type folks that walked, walked the planet. So what he's saying, you know, it's not easy, but it is, it is achievable that they became fully what God created them to be and whatever that was is going to be different than you or me but that for them became their perfection and part of that yes, is the mindset the attitude the motivation to recognize when we do sin we immediately ask for forgiveness David, a man after my own heart because David kept screwing up and kept coming back to God like 52,000 times a day Right? he was genius in doing that he didn't give himself permission to sin but somehow he lacked self control it would seem he had a lot of bad days <laughs> and you know, So, but he was smart enough he knew the remedy to that problem as opposed to I made this mistake today I'll make it again tomorrow I'll keep making it, make it and I'll add a few more onto it and it keeps building and building and building and give myself the excuse of well I'm just human or I just whatever it's staying on course with this fruit of the Holy Spirit that will keep keep the focus in the direction where where it's at. So that I mean, you know, don't don't we marvel at at, at people who, you know, have some terrible automobile accident or in war and lose limbs or you know, just I mean terrible health problems and yet never seem to have a bad day. I mean we make movies about people like that. So it can be done that you would look at their life and say, man, that's Terrible life. I'd, I'd just be a mess if I lived that life. But there they are, just the model of strength and self-control, and and you know all the, all the good Christian attributes. And we, we can't even get that into our brain. It's like, how do people do that? Well, when you're you're focused on the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to lead you, you're taking big strides toward that 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 perfection. <laughs> so we're all a work in progress. Thank God, huh? <laughs> you know it's it's something that, that we're all in the process. We're all in the race and the good news is we're not all at the same point. You know you're allowed to be back near the starting line. Maybe some of us are getting close to breaking through the tape. Doesn't matter where you are in that continuum. It just matters that you're taking some step forward and you're not allowing anyone or anything to cut in on you and stop your forward motion. Now, that's, that's attitude and motivation I'm talking about. That's you know, the conscious thought that I will not allow that to happen. I will continue to strive for this. I'll continue you know, to, to worship God on a regular basis. I'll continue in, in my, my small group or small groups. I will continue to do what I need to do to bolster myself up in this faith so that I could be more effective in ministry and be able maybe just maybe someday to actually be an inspiration to somebody else. Wouldn't that be a nice life goal to actually be able to pass some of this great knowledge and wisdom we have on to somebody else? That's what it's all about. But it's, it's a lifelong process, a lifelong struggle, and when you reach perfection, Peggy, you come and let me know, okay? <laughs> it's going to be a wow well, <laughs> Just You're just a skosh-off. <laughs> But no, seriously, it's yeah we. It's it, it's it's like the term moment. It's an undetermined. Yeah, moment is an undetermined time period. Scotia is an undetermined distance. So yeah, that's whatever you want, you want it to be. So yeah. So love is really really important. In fact, in verse fourteen, Paul has already said that love fulfills the demand of God's law. Now, we've been saying a hundred times that there is no law. But in fact, there is just one law now that we are concerned with the law of, of love. Love becomes a commandment at the Last Supper. A new commandment I give you love one another. Because love unites all the virtues of God. So when we talk about being created in the image of God, love is what pulls it all together. So again, you, you, you can't say that I am a great Christian servant but man, do I hate God's people. That doesn't sound right either, does it? Right. So you don't serve if, you, if, that, if that were actually true, what you're saying is I am, I'm a good serving person because I want to be. Because I'm trying to earn my salvation. I'm trying to impress others with how good I am. If love is not the motivation behind our service, then you'd be better off not serving. If love is not what is behind what what we give to the church on a week-to-week basis, if love is not the motivation behind that, you'd be better off not giving at all. If you're doing it out of a sense of, well, I better give this or else God's going to hit me with a lightning bolt, um, you'd be better off just not giving. Because God says very clearly that he will not accept your gift. That that gift means nothing to him. And frankly, it doesn't mean anything to the church either. But if we are all giving out of a sense of love and our, our, our understanding that we love even those who are not here yet, so that they too will join us in the kingdom, that changes everything. If love is the true motivation for us. So love unites all the virtues of God. And by the way, Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 13, love will endure forever. That means that the basis of heaven is love also. That's good news. So as I've said before, I will say again, what we begin here on earth is what we will continue for our eternity if what you have here on earth is is debauchery and and sexual sin and and, and discord and strife and all those yucky things in in that list, then that was your choice on earth. God has no problem with saying, you get to do that forever and ever and ever. You get to be on on a reality show for the rest of your life. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Have at it. But if your life is based on love here on earth, and you continue to practice that and and incorporate that in your life and make that your motivation in life, then that is what will continue for all eternity. That you will go to the place where there is total, complete, pure, unadulterated love. And he's not going to force either one on us. Your choice. Go ahead. Pick one. But everybody picks one. You must pick one. So what you start here, the way you live here, that's what will continue. Could you imagine an eternity of backbiting and strife and anguish and just can't even imagine that? I mean, bad enough here on Earth, let alone <laughs> for all eternity. Wee. So love is really important. It's first, and he, have any Lovely thoughts anyone else wants to wants to share? You're gonna you tell us how much you love your wife. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we all make mistakes, but I think God can see in our heart and do we have those 18 bad things in our heart? Or yeah. do we have the nine good things in our heart? Right. And that's what makes the difference. Yeah, it? that's that's what I was trying to say earlier. So you know the the, the the true motivation. If the if the motivation is, well, and it's going to say here next chapter, that God is going to hold us accountable. If we think that we're not going to be held accountable, then we keep giving ourselves a pass for bad behavior and just, just because of this, just because of that. You know, that person made me do it or whatever. That's the wrong motivation. But the motivation is I've I just I've been trying and I've been doing really good with love and, joy and peace and patience for for a while now, but I just had that day where I really, really slipped up and, you know, God, please please forgive me and, you know, I really need, need your spirit to, to guide, guide my path and I'm counting on you to do that. Thank you very much. Amen. Um, yeah, completely different ballgame at that point. Yeah, it's all about, well, the love in your heart, I guess, is what, what what we're talking about. That it's not a game that you're trying to, you know, and where is it here in chapter 6? 6-7, um, uh, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked, right? So, yes, so he knows the true, sincere intention of your heart. And that's what... Yeah, in terms of, you know, that judgment and salvation or not and all that just on earth, but you're not going right? Yes, um, right. It's, what's, what's really yeah. If that's what you're working on, then you get maximum bonus points. Whether you're perfect or not, you still get maximum bonus points. Any other lovely thoughts? Next is joy where is the joy 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 thank you <laughs> I just made that up where <laughs> we gotta take a show on the road that was pretty good you guys are right there little, little kids always go where <laughs> now joy's number two it's essential critical Number two in importance. The reason why is because Jesus tells us to go into all the world, teach about him, baptize in his name. We would be terrible witnesses for Christ without joy. Would anyone come to Christ if we witnessed to anyone like Eeyore, I'm so glad Jesus died for me. You wouldn't want to believe in him too, would you? No. Okay. Right. But instead, the joy. Good. Why does anyone become Muslim? They're not joyful. The total opposite of joy. Exactly. But. Living in a hot climate with a bunch of wives will do that to you. <laughs> See what I did there, Gary? <laughs> yep. Then I'll make him miserable. So without joy, I mean, witness is incredibly important. I mean, it's not in the list, but it is in the list. Without joy, you will not be able to share Jesus with anyone. Are going to be totally ineffective in trying to share Jesus with others. But instead, that you know, does, doesn't Paul say ne- never lack in zeal? I mean, that's what it means being zealous, being joyful, being really excited about Jesus, as opposed to, eh, well, I'll go worship Jesus for an hour on Sunday, big deal. Then I'm going golfing, and off get all excited. Or I'm going to go watch a football game. And boy, those Steelers, I need to get all excited about that, right? That's not a very good witness, right? Sharing that like that. So you should be as excited at least with Jesus as you are the Steelers. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> get excited for Jesus. And then there's peace. Now, peace is critical because peace is at the very nature of who Jesus is. Is he not the Prince of Peace? Right? So that's his identity. Jesus says that we receive his blessing, especially when we make peace in others' lives. Now, hearken against the bad list. The majority of that was making drama, right? Was taking away peace. So the blessing comes to us when we make peace. So joy and peace are linked together and are outstanding witnesses for the Spirit in us because joy and peace do not depend on outside circumstances. (laughs) Joy and peace is not dictated by what's happening around us. So you could be in the middle of a battlefield and still be at peace. That's why it's described as this peace is beyond human understanding. How can that be? Because you were you assured of your relationship in Christ. And it doesn't matter if somebody shoots you dead or not. You are joyful and you are peaceful. You are so peaceful that you will make peace with those around you. So in your foxhole, with bullets whizzing over your head, you will be making peace with those who are in your foxhole with you as opposed to strife and discord and debauchery and everything else that could go on, you will make peace. Again, those are conscious willful choices that each of us, wait till chapter 6, will be held accountable for. God's keeping track. Which means God's very observant. And God's going to take care of it all. And there's a good place to stop. Partway through the list, so here's your here's your homework assignment. Next one is patience. Practice patience. Next week, I will ask you how you did. For most of us, patience is the hardest one in the list. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> it's not an easy one, is it? Well, good stuff, guys. With the lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.